everybody. Welcome back to the Business Bullseye. I am TJ Reed, joined by Seth Stone. Seth, how are you today? I'm good, TJ. What's up, man? Man, I'm so excited. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a different uh, podcast episode today, the business of the Super Bowl. So all things Super Bowl, all the fun things that come with that. I'm excited to talk with you about it. Yeah, I feel like this is a little, um, I don't know, off the beaten path for us, but uh, I don't know. It's different. It's going to be fun, I think. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you were saying right before we logged on, like we got to put our Super Bowl picks in right now. We're recording after the uh, wild card weekend, so we have a little bit more of an advantage, but would love to hear your Super Bowl picks and kind of what you're you're thinking for this year. Um yeah, I mean we have to we have to memorialize this now in case one of us is right. And and then and then this will air like Super Bowl weekend. We'll either uh, yeah. shake our head in shame or <laughs> well either way we're gonna point back to this, right? So like either way it's gonna be like wow one of us was right or we can shame each other for how wrong we were. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with my heart a little bit on this. Um, I'm going to say in the Super Bowl, there's going to be Lions versus Bills. Ooh, Lions versus Bills. Is that more of a hometown pick, the, the Bills? I mean, I'm not a Bills fan. Yeah, I mean, technically, you know, it's it's Buffalo, which everyone thinks is like right next door to where I live because I'm not in New York City even though it's five hours away. Um, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, no, it's like literally Buffalo is closer to, like much closer to Cleveland than it is to me. But um, yeah, and a lot of people get their upstate New York geography messed up. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it's the hometown pick. So I'll go with the Bills versus the Lions. What do you think? That's a good one. Um, all right, well, then I'm going to go opposite here. I'm going to say Chiefs-Lions. I want to see the Lions. Uh, lived in Detroit for three years. I love the story of the city. My brother and Allah and I were we were laughing about it this last weekend. Just people partying till midnight there in Buffalo. I, I mean, in in Detroit, and just how excited they were. Um, it's been thirty some years since they even won a playoff game. Um, and I say Chiefs because I feel like it's rigged that the NFL wants Taylor Swift to show up at the Super Bowl and <laughs> be there for that. Probably so. true. That's probably true. <laughs> Maybe Travis Kelsey is going to propose to her at the Super Bowl. Oh, that would be like. Oh, I don't think that's. I don't think that's. That would a be true story, but. Or she'll break up with Travis Kelsey if he loses, and that'll be like. Uh, either way, that would be. That would be hilarious. Either way. <laughs> Regardless, we know that the Super Bowl is big business, and so that's yeah. kind of what we're talking about here. So, hopefully, the Lions win this weekend, so we both can stay alive, and then. After this weekend, uh, well, no, be wrong. So. Yeah, Chiefs Bills. Next by next week when we're recording, we'll be able to yeah have some fun with that. All right, cool. I like it. Yeah, that's good. Um, so one more thing before we get started, do you have a favorite Super Bowl commercial that stood out to you? You know, I I knew we were going to talk about this one beforehand, and I thought about it for like a minute, and I you know I don't have a favorite Super Bowl commercial. I have the one I remember the most. Well, like two couple that I remember the most, but I don't I don't have a favorite. Um, for some reason, I remember the Budweiser frogs. Yeah, and you know, I, I I it was like the first one that popped in my mind, and and then I I went on YouTube and I and I watched it, and I was like, this is really stupid. Why do I remember this commercial? Like, it's, there's nothing great about it. Um. But anyway, it stuck with me all these years. I I, I was never a, a Budweiser guy. I was silver silver bullet was my cheap poison of choice, Coors Light. 
Um, and I don't even drink beer anymore. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know why that one stuck with me, but, uh, yeah, Budweiser frogs, man. What about you? I, I agree with you. Um, there's two that come to mind. One that I remember that was fun was the what's up guys. I, yeah. I Bud Light, that. Right. That, that was fun. And then for some reason, when I was thinking about this question, I remembered, I want to say it was maybe like eight or 10 years ago. Doritos had like a monkey with a diaper on or something like that. <laughs> I have no clue what it had to do with. And it's for some reason etched in my mind, which is terrifying as well. So, huh? I don't remember that one. Yeah. Look it up. You'll, you'll have nightmares. Um, All right. I might pass on that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, so, so that, that kind of leads us into a good like starting topic around advertising yeah. because the business Super Bowl, uh, I think the first thing that people would think about would be the advertising that, that comes yeah. with the Super Bowl. And so um, I read a couple different articles. We'll post them in there. Um, but one of the things that that I read as I was looking through it is the the temptation is if you make something memorable, it might be a lot harder for somebody to remember they, they remember like the gimmick that you use, but they might not remember the actual product that you're marketing. <laughs> like if you, if you do a good job there. And so um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or, or anything. I mean, I, you know, when I, when I thought about this one, I was, I wanted kind of the raw economics of it. Um, so I found, um, I found some, some different research, but, Basically, um, and this is based on 2021 data, that Super Bowl ads deliver a, an average ROI, return on investment, of, of $4.60 for every dollar spent. My understanding, my, my assumption based on what I read is these, these are aggregated numbers, right? So maybe Budweiser, Frito-Lay, Pepsi brand, right? Um they maybe make out a little better than than some of the smaller companies who spent money. So maybe, maybe those those dollars aren't. I'm sure they're not proportionate, but just looking at the simple number of four dollars and sixty cent return on every dollar spent, even though the slots are thirty second slot is you know crazy expensive. I mean, people have been talking about that, about that for what thirty years. How expensive it is to advertise during the Super Bowl? If that's really the, the ROI seven average, million dollars. seven million bucks. Okay, there you go. But so so if you're seven million dollars is is worth what 31 and a half million bucks um in theory right is that a, i mean that's a pretty good roi i mean at face value right i i i'm not convinced that that kind of you know that kind of return is across the board um does that really turn the needle though for like a frito-lay or a pepsi do they really see that much more like the average person is buying four times more pepsi or four times more <laughs> Frito-Lay like as a result of this commercial? I mean that's that that's the question, right? And in, in in what time span? Like during Super Bowl week are they buying that much more than they would normally consume? I mean, how is this how is this data how is this data filtered? And I mean, you know, it's it's um it, it kind of goes with some of the other economics that I think we're going to that we're going to talk about, you know, in terms of like hosting the Super Bowl and, and I I know we're going to get into that in a little bit, but like um, what would have been consumed otherwise, right? Without running that ad, like how much right. money would Frito-Lay have made if they had no commercials, right? Because in theory, anyone who's bought their food for the 
game has already done so before they see the new ad that comes out on TV. Now all the ads are available ahead of time, right? You can see them all. There's like, or, or at least teasers in advance. Um, so it's not really much of a surprise anymore. Um, so I think like the kind of the culture on that has shifted, but I wonder if there's like, especially as far as the big brands go, I wonder if it's more like there's an obligation at this point. Yeah. Like you got to show up to this. You, you, like you have to, like you have to buy your seat at the table. It's like a, I don't know. It's almost like it's requisite in some ways. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's because of like how they're connected to the NFL Players Association and the stadiums. And so like if you're Pepsi and Pepsi is served at X amount of the stadiums around the country, like maybe that's a part of what you buy into for that franchising of that with all the different NFL teams. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I was one of the things I was looking at, I mean, the, the, the contract language in terms of like, and again, I know we're going to get into this a little bit, but like the contract language for like what the host cities have to check the box off for in terms of what the NFL requires. I mean, it's like insane. Um, sure. And so I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If, if there's, you know, if there's rights around things like that and, you know, what's available at the, at the venue and, you know, do you have to advertise and et, et cetera, et cetera. I think I think in general, like when we we think of advertising, it's it's very true of the Super Bowl, right? Um, but I think it's becoming more true of like live sports and live things in general, um, because it's there's like there's very few places where you're going to get ninety to hundred million people anymore um, watching right. something, and the and for people to watch it live and not be skipping ads with their DVR or whatever, like yeah. that is like that's the golden the golden chalice that nobody has anymore and so live sports seems to be really banking on that and I, i'm sure that a lot of networks like that just becomes so much more lucrative and necessary because it's a place where you know that your ads will actually get seen and not skipped over yeah yeah and i mean i i i, I have to believe there's merit to that um it was they said it the other night in the game that NBC had, and I can't remember which game it was, but they kind of did a special shout out because the game was streamed on Peacock. And so it was, um, it was the highest internet traffic of all time and, and the large and the, and the most streamed anything like ever. So it's like, they checked off those two milestones. So to your point, yeah. probably the most captive audience left in the world from yeah. from an advertising standpoint so i mean that that sort of promise of like the one the one golden calf <laughs> still out there right <laughs> yeah. um it is is almost um it's almost too hard to pass up if you have the money yeah exactly so that's that's the key you know if you have the yeah. money is it worth it and um and and I think that goes into like let's let's talk about it because you you've mentioned a couple times now let's talk about the host city and is it beneficial to the city that that hosts the Super Bowl? Before we hop into that, have you ever attended a Super Bowl? I have not. Have you? I have not. The the closest I got was NBA All Star Game in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, that was that must have been fun. To be a part of yeah. That must I was have been like fun. I was like ten and seeing uh, Sean Kemp and. Uh, Marcus Camby and other people that were like seven foot something was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I went to the World Series in 2000. Um, it was when the Mets played the Yankees. I'm a Mets fan. 
It was the first game at Chase Stadium, so everyone was pretty pumped. It was the only game the Mets won in that whole series, so I was glad I got to be there for that. And that was, I mean, hands down, that was the best sporting event I've ever been to. So I can only imagine the Super Bowl is pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, so so what what's I, so what what is today's bullseye or BS statement? We got to talk about that before we get into this uh, host city stuff. So let's let's say that the bullseye or BS statement is it's beneficial to be a host city for the Super Bowl. Well, what are you going with? I'm going to say bullseye. Okay, I'm taking the opposite side this time. All right. So you're going to so make your case. Let's this. let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's 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 let it rip. Um. Okay. I would say bullseye because if you're not what's normally a vacation destination city, like I remember when I first moved up to Detroit, they had just been a Super Bowl host city. That's not a destination city that people are going to. They're not going to Detroit in the middle of February normally. And so I think that for those, it's beneficial. I think it gets a little bit murkier. I was doing some research around like Arizona hosting it where people would yeah. normally be there as a vacation destination. It gets a little bit murkier when you look at that and how much it benefits the economy. And so maybe I'm hedging my bets there, but I still say like, depending on the host city, the location, I think it's still beneficial. Um, and it's beneficial for certain segments of the city that might be employed or uh, more heavily employed during that time. So now when you're talking, are, you, are you talking about short-term ec economic impact, long-term economic impact, or both? Short-term economic impact, long-term infrastructure impact is, is what my research led me to, that like infrastructure, like transportation and things like that, like to, to be able to do that actually benefits the city in the long-term. That's what I would say. Okay. So what about long-term economic impact? Do you think there is one? There could be, but I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm not quite sure. I want to hear. Right. I want to hear why you're saying BS. You don't get to keep asking me questions. I'm asking you <laughs> a question back. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I'm sitting here like trying to make my case against you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm saying BS because, um, from everything I read. Again, the perspective of economists, right? Um, some of it was very engaging. Some of it was a little dry. Um, but the argument against is often that the revenue figures are artificially inflated, sure. especially in the short term. And they mention, you know, a couple of... Um, a couple of different kind of key um, economic factors, basically. And one of, um, I think the, the average is, they say typically it brings in what, like four to $500 million worth of revenue, something along those lines has been over the last few years. Like that's what the projection yeah. is for the host city. Um, and, you know, the, the, the different articles I read basically said, you know, you, when you look at all of the different costs involved, um, you know, I'm just going to name a few. 
So when you talk about um, first responders, so police officers, firefighters, paramedics, the sheer amount of overtime involved alone, um, that in and of itself is, is um, that's, that's a rough one. Um, and then they often cite hotel occupancy as, as a really big, um, a really big thing. Um, but depending, you know, if it is a Detroit, maybe you, you can make this argument, right. Uh, in a different way, but, you know, take a place like Arizona, maybe, um, maybe there are a lot of corporate functions or retreats in the Phoenix area. Say you have a hotel or a string of hotels that might otherwise be 70 to 80% sold out Super Bowl weekend, stand Super Bowl in that city, right? Um, but now the NFL can say, you know, they sold out at 100% occupancy. Right. Um, so there's two problems with that argument. One is that, you know, really you've only increased the revenue by, you know, the, the 20% of the rooms or the 30% of the rooms that weren't going to be full anyway. Um, yeah, you can charge more, no question about it. But that money's not staying in the local economy, right? Like Hilton's not Hilton's not paying their employees more. Now I'm not picking on Hilton, Marriott, whoever, right? They're not paying their employees more. Um, that money's not getting reinvested in the local economy. That's going back to the shareholders of the corporation, which again, I don't I don't have a problem with at all. But we can't sit here and say that somehow directly benefits the local economy. Yeah. Um, you have residents of the city who either do do one of two things basically their their discretionary spending gets rearranged for the year right they spend more that week or that weekend than they otherwise normally would and so then they have to cut back on other things at other times of the year maybe that's locally maybe that's on trips that would positively benefit other local economies um and you also have people that just kind of sit out and say like i don't want to deal with it you know i'm going to go to my you know, my house out in the, out in the desert or, you know, on the lake or whatever the case is. I don't, I don't want to be around all the, all the fuss in the city. And so, you know, you have potentially tens or hundreds of thousands of people, thousands of people that might be out shopping or going to dinner or whatever on a normal weekend that just are no longer participating in those local activities. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're kind of removing them from the equation. And then, you know, like I was mentioning before, like the NFL has very, long list of of kind of like requirements that you have to to check off the box for you know you have to set up all these different venues um that that do provide all different types of entertainment um you, know, you have to provide security um you have to provide transportation you have to provide um i mean golf course access in some cases right you know so all these things have kind of a cost attached to them um I read an article that said from when the when when they hosted the um, Super Bowl in in you know New Jersey at, at Giant Stadium mm -hmm. in 2014, New Jersey Transit ran a, a deficit of that week of over five million dollars. Hmm. Um, just just because of the way they had to rearrange everything, right, in terms of of their commuter traffic and shuffling people from Manhattan, you know, somewhere in the New York City vicinity to the the game site and all the different venues, et cetera, et cetera. So that was not that was not a profitable endeavor for for you know local transit authority in that case. And yeah, I'm not sure if it holds up the same way in in other cities. Um, 
but there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of cost that, that doesn't necessarily get accounted for. It's like, we look at like, kind of like that top line revenue number and say, Whoa, here it is big, 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 big number. But when you start to subtract out some of the things, you know, the articles I was reading said, you know, the real actual short-term economic boon is somewhere between 30 and $150 million. Again, not, not, Trump change by any stretch of the imagination, but not the four to five hundred million dollars that that is typically touted when cities are bidding on this, um, you know, the honor, supposedly to be able to host the Super Bowl. Right. Kind of like the honor of the Olympics, where it kind of can dilapidate a city at times. And yeah, totally. Like that, you know? Totally. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, like, I think if it's if it's going to be profitable long term. The leaders of the city actually have to have a vision for how this will increase tourism and how it'll attract new businesses, right? There's got to be like, there's got to be a vision for that instead of like what you're saying. The short term of just like come to our city doesn't work, right? Like you've got to, you've got to have something that's a long play that we're going to become a tourist destination for X, that people are going to recognize and it's something that we're going to tout when people are in our city and we're going to ask the broadcast to put this on video every you know 30 to 45 minutes during the game and stuff like that yeah yeah absolutely and i mean you know to your point i mean um it is i guess it's it's in in many respects it's location specific right i mean because the reality is people where i live in New York, we're going to go in January, February, March, we're going to Arizona, we're going to Miami, we're going to New Orleans, you know, all these, these venues where, you know, the weather's better, they're good winter, long weekend vacation type spots, like those things are happening, no matter what. Um, Detroit in January, Cleveland in January, um, Chicago in January. Again, I I actually I love the Midwest. Chicago is one of my favorite cities. Um, so this is not a knock on the Midwest, but you know you're not going to find people trading cold for cold, right? That's not usually the play um, for for vacationers or or people who want to get away in in the winter months or or you know take this year, right? Super Bowls in Las Vegas. Um, even where I live, there's a, there's a smaller airport. Um, you can get a direct flight to Vegas every day. You know, um, I know people that go to Vegas for the weekend all the time. And that's, it's the thing. Like, it's, it's going to happen regardless of whether the Super Bowl is there or not. Yeah. When did Vegas become a habitable city that like people actually moved to with their families and stuff like that? Isn't that interesting? Well, you know, sidebar, I will say, I mean, I, I, I used to have family in Vegas. I, I like Las Vegas. I, um, my aunt and uncle lived there, um, when I was in high school and college and, they lived out just outside the city. Um, and I loved it. It is beautiful. I mean, I remember um, playing golf in 110 degrees, dry heat, but you could still see snow on the caps of the mountains off in the distance. It was, it's, it's a nice place. I mean, um, it, it all kind of depends on what you're, it depends on what you're there for. Let's put it yeah. that, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. I think it's a, I think it's a really cool city. It's just interesting how they made that shift there too. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I, you know, I we could talk this to death. We just wanted to have a little fun around the Super Bowl and stuff like that. 
I, I know that you're saying BS on it. Is there anything else, any kind of like final statements you would add, whether it be advertising or the city or uh, anything like that? Well, I mean, I, I think there's two things. How much time do we have? I want to I make sure I'm being we got about five honest minutes. on time. All right, we got five minutes. All right, I'm going to say two things. One, one, I think there's um, kind of the, the, the reality that you, you kind of can't look past. In the, and it's not just the Super Bowl. It's the Olympics. It's, it's the World Cup. It's the, the human trafficking component. It, it increases in those types of venues. Um, and, and there's arguments as to why. And, and I, I don't want to get into that. But that, that's a real, it's a real problem. And it's something that um, I think needs to be a little more front and center. So that's my, that's my social pitch for the day. But I think when we're looking at this idea, you know, when we're talking about, you know, just from a, from a, from our perspective, a regular person's perspective, right? A regular organizational leader's perspective. I think the question we're really asking here when we're talking about the Super Bowl, at least in my opinion, is um, when you have to decide whether or not to go for the shiny prize, what, what factors into your decision? What makes it worth it? To me, that's the question we're asking. Yeah, I don't know good. what you think about that. Yeah, I, that's that's the golden question, isn't it? Like whenever you're looking at that sort of stuff. I, yeah, and I mean, I, I think the answer is fairly simple in that, you know, I, it's it's like, you can you balance out the short-term excitement with what it has potential what it has the potential to provide you with long term that's yeah. that's it you know i mean because everyone can to get excited about what happens is right in front of us but what what is the real benefit going to be long term when we actually sift through the numbers and we get down to the bottom line because you know to your point about the, the you know you said the olympics earlier and it's like the long-term effect like again living in upstate new york lake placid is a couple hours up the road from me right hosted the 1980 olympics it's like dead up there there's no long-term economic benefit. In fact, New York State throws 150 million bucks a year at the village of Lake Placid to keep the, that infrastructure up. And it's a, it's a village of 2,300 full-time residents and $150 million of New York State taxpayer money goes there every single year. And it doesn't really do much for tourism. Um, it can never host the Olympics again. The infrastructure just, it's, it's literally impossible. Um, so that's a clear case where the, the long-term benefit wasn't there, even though the obvious, I, I get why they did it in the short term. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it was a really cool opportunity. Um, but as business, you know, from, from the standpoint of business leaders, I think we, I think we have to be more calculated in those decisions. That's cool. I like that. I think, I think for me, my closing thought, um, this, we didn't talk about this at all, but like, it's something that has come to my mind as we're wrapping things up is, I think what'll be interesting to watch with this Super Bowl is how they're trying to cater to like a much younger audience. It's been really interesting this year to watch them do like the Nickelodeon and the the Toy Story like versions of the games that happened in London and stuff like that. Like there's there's something about them saying this new generation maybe isn't attracted to the way that we approach this so far, like that we've we've gained this other following from other generations of people and stuff like that. And so I'm really interested to see, especially over like the next five to 10 years, like how do they adjust to new audiences and is the new audience actually buying into this or is it going to be a failed cause for the NFL? Like that, that's for me, that's an interesting thing that I'm going to be looking for on this Super Bowl. No, I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, that's I, I that that was completely outside of my my universe of thought, but I uh, I Me like too. it. It just came to my mind. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. So 
like you said, like thinking of the long term, the long term effects as a business for me, like thinking about new audiences and how you approach them. I think those are good uh, action points for business leaders to be considering as they're yeah. watching the Super Bowl. And so um, as you listen to this, you're going to be hearing this uh, the Tuesday before the Super Bowl. So we would love to hear your Super Bowl picks. Email us at thebusinessbullseye@gmail.com or text us at 757-354-1543 or hit us up on LinkedIn or any other place that you see Seth or I. Um, we'd love to, to hear from you and uh, interact with you. Thank you for uh, listening to the podcast and you know being an active audience with us. Go Lions. Go Lions. I'm with you, Seth. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.